Today is the gift of contentment. And now let me go ahead and tell you a little bit today. This is going to, this is going to speak to everybody in the room, right? In fact, I have to share this with you and I, I want you to hear it from my voice, all right? Is that I almost titled this, all right? All right, uh, you know, hints, hints to fellow strugglers, all right? Because this is something all of us face. And you'll see it because this is, Paul makes a huge admission here that this is an area. But the word contentment is an amazing word. It's, it, it's, it's akin, all right, uh, to peace, right? What does the word peace mean? Contentment and peace are twins. And so they go hand in hand. And so what does it mean to be content? I want you to understand that it's a word that a lot of times in our culture, it's gotten to almost be a bad word, right? It's almost like you don't ever be content, right? It's almost like it keeps you, you know, making progress, keeps you heading forward. I'm never content with where I am, all that. Yeah, but it also, it also, it also brings a lot of misery in your life, all right? Just simple discontent. And you'll see why, because you were created to be content. That's why you long for it. You'll see all of this in just a minute, but it is an incredible thing. I think it interesting that, that Dave Ramsey calls his stuff financial peace. You could just substitute financial contentment because guys, it's discontent that causes us to make bad decisions, right? As I've told you before, trillions of dollars are spent to get you discontent, right? Discontent with who you are, discontent with your appearance, discontent with what you have, because when you get discontent, you'll buy stuff, right? And so that's what fuels this problem, right? Why are debt, why is debt at an all-time high? Because trillions of dollars are convincing you that you won't be complete, won't be happy, won't be content unless and then the, the, the litany goes on. It's just not stuff, it's also things, and the things you do, right, and different things. So you'll see today is, today's contentment thought goes far beyond just finances. But finances is kind of our, is kind of our thought today. Because guys, again, I have counseled people through the years, and I've told you before, I've counseled people in this area of finances. It always comes up, especially in marital troubles. When people are having problems maritally, it almost always comes up the financial part. It just, it's always there. And as I told you last week, there was a couple I was counseling from another church. They just made tremendous amounts of money. And yet they were constantly, they were constantly dealing with financial pressure and living on the edge. It was, it was unbelievable. Why? So it's not about what you make. It's about it's about something called content and discontent. And I just want you to, I want you to see it today. You know, one of my uh, authors that I used to read often, he's, he's, he's been around for 20 plus, 30 plus years, but his name is Max Locato, and he wrote a book oh, 20 years ago called Traveling Light. And he captured this thought. And I don't like to read to you very much unless it really has something to, because I don't like being read too, right? And so, 
but I, there's enough, there's, it just so puts this so well in kind of an allegory feel. All right, listen to what he says. He says, come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. All right, just ask the inmates, they will tell you. They are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare and their bunks are hard. No prison is so populated, no prison is so oppressive. And what's most, no prison is so permanent. Most, most inmates never leave. They never escape or get released. They spend their whole lives in an overpopulated, underfed existence. And the name of the prison, you ask? You'll see it just over the entrance. Rainbowed over the gate are four cast iron letters. W-A-N-T. Want, right? Uh, the prison of want. You've seen her prisoners. They are in want. They want something. They want something bigger, nicer, faster. They just want. They don't want much, mind you. They just want one thing. One new job, one new car, one new house, one new spouse, all right? They don't want much, they just want one. And when they have one, they'll be happy. And when they have one thing, all right, they get to leave the prison, but then it happens. The new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The neighbors get a bigger TV. The new spouse has bad habits. All right. The new sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, another ex-convict breaks parole and is returned to prison. Are you in prison? You are if you feel better, if you have more and you feel worse if you have less. If, you are be, if your happiness is one delivery away, one transfer away, one reward away, okay, or one makeover away, if your happiness comes from what you deposit, drink, drive, or digest, face it, you're in prison, the prison of want. It's such a powerful thought. And when we tie, when we tie ourselves to these things, it's like something that we know doesn't, doesn't have what we're looking for. So I wanna jump into this because there's, there's, there's some things here that, that are, and, and, and if it dawns on you, you'll go, my goodness, that is the truth, right? Let's take a look at it. All right, first of all, let me, give you a, uh, let me give you a definition of contentment. I thought this was interesting. Listen to the definition of contentment. Freedom, right? Freedom from worry, anxiety, and frustration because of unfulfilled wants. In fact, you even live in a culture that encourages you to come up with lists of things you want or things you want to do. Call them whatever you want to call them, bucket lists or stuff. And in reality, everybody in the room knows, right, that it's cool at the time, but it's not what you're looking for. This is something that affects all of us, and you'll see just how much in just a minute, because the, the scriptures are so clear when you look at it. So let's jump into it, take a look at it. Number one, just three things I want to talk to you about today. Number one is that contentment cannot be governed. If it's true contentment, it cannot be governed by your circumstances. So it's not just things that you have, we'll talk about that in a minute, things that you do, but it's also circumstances that go on around you. Those things cause huge discontent in people's lives, right? Because things happen. You know, life is a great struggle, right? Struggles come along the way, they're going to come, right? It's going to happen. 
But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, this is such a powerful passage. But in Philippians 4, verse 10, it just, in, in verse 10, it just says, you know, uh, Paul is saying, hey, listen, I'm so glad that you guys at Philippi have renewed your concern. And he says, and not that you weren't concerned, but that you didn't have the opportunity. But look at verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. This is Paul talking. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So circumstances, situations. Verse 12, he says, I have been brought low. That is, I've been at the bottom. And Paul had been at the bottom, right? And I know how, and I know how to abound. That is to be at the top. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. So there's a, there's a secret to being content. And I have to be honest, in doing what I do, I have met very, very few, even believers, who have made it to this point, right? They have glimmers of it, right? But they never make it to this thought. But Paul has learned the secret of it, right? And, and the secret of facing, of having plenty and being hungry, right? Abundance and, and need, he says, so I've, I've learned the secret of that, and it, ha- and it doesn't, have to do, doesn't have to do with your, with your circumstances. If your contentment is based on your circumstances, your life will be a yo-yo, up, it, roller coaster, whatever you want to call it. Why? Because circumstances change, sometimes daily, right? And so it just is one of those, one of those things to understand and see that it can be governed by those, right? Number two, and we're gonna spend the majority of our time in these last two, but number two is this, is that contentment is learned. Okay, I, I don't know, when I look at the scriptures, there's so much that's, that's powerful, and if you, just, if you just look at what does it say, Paul then had to learn it. It was not something that came natural to him. It is, contentment is not something natural that really anybody that lives around you really even, even knows, right? And it's this thought of, you know, don't go over here and, and pray, Lord, Lord, uh, grant me with contentment. Well, I found that he doesn't grant it as if, you know, it's something he's going to teach you. Now, that's not always a fun thing. You know, it's like, Lord, I, you know, you know, I want to be content. Lord, make me content. Well, that's, that's kind of a dangerous prayer because usually you'll be put in circumstances or some or things that will happen that will, that will, that are very discontent, make you discontent in order to learn right? I don't know. It's an incredible thing to think about. So number one underneath that it's learned is just simple experience, right? In verse 11, it says, I have learned, okay? I have learned contentment. You get verse 11 for me? Experience, all right? It says, not that I'm speaking of being of need. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Notice that he says, Paul said, I had to learn it. I had to learn it. So it's something he's going to teach you. And sometimes that's not fun. But it is 
It is incredible the fruits that come from it. So experience. Let me tell you what I put down there, experience. Because contentment is one of those things that is best learned by experience. You don't get this by being in a classroom and understanding and talking about contentment all the time, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like driving a car, right? I remember when I was 15, turning 16, right? And you know, my dad made me go to the classes because he got a break on the insurance, you know, for a 16 year old boy to drive, right? But I've been driving since I was 10 because I, I had, I was privileged to have an overindulgent grandfather in my life. And it started out with the riding lawnmower, right? And I graduated up to the tractor. And by the age of 12, you know, hey, Jeff, why don't you drive us to work today? You know, it just, it's small town Tennessee. It was just the way it was at the time, okay? And so driving, you know, so I was already a, I was already a major driver by the time I showed up at the class, all right? And so I'm sitting in the class, right? And this poor guy teaching, God bless him. And I, I, this is nothing against teachers, but it's just not one of those things that's easy to teach. Because, you know, I was sitting there listening to him and he was just going by the book, you know, teaching us all the, whatever the rules, you need to know those, those are all good things, all right? But I remember about, it, it, I remember thinking to myself, if I followed all your steps in driving, I would wreck. Because if you have to think that much to go through the steps, you know what's going to happen. Why? Wow, because traffic moves fast, right? You've got, to, you've got to know what you're doing. So what is the best way to learn to drive? Driving. Now I got a picture. Put me in that situation. First of all, you know, ease me into me, put me in, in some non-threatening type situations, right? And so you learn by experience. Contentment is the same way. Therefore, to be put in a situation where you have to trust him, where you have to, where you have to be discontent. I find it an amazing thing that God is at work in people's lives to teach them to be content. That is something that he is actively doing. Peace is the other thing. They're both really similar, peace and contentment. You know, but it was a constant teaching thing. I think of the disciples, right? And you remember, and you remember, you know, and, and they were in the boat, right? Jesus has gone underneath and, to, and gone to sleep and their big storm comes up, right? And they're all freaking out, right? Scared, anxious, and uh, you know, and they get discontent fast, right? And then Jesus comes out and calms it all, right? And, and so why did you, why did you doubt? And, and basically here's the thought, you know, how can you have peace? when the storm is raging all around you. Does that make sense? Because, because that's a circumstance. A storm is a circumstance, figuratively. So I'm telling you, the only way you can learn to be content in a storm is by practice, is by experience. It just is what it is. It just, it, it's all through the scriptures that, that God is at work in people's lives to teach them this. It's something you long for, but it's only found in particular places, right? 
The greatest example, the absolute greatest example in the scriptures of this is Joseph. You know, I think of poor Joseph's life, you know, and at the time he was 17 years old, his brother sold him into slavery, right? If you know the story, it's in Genesis 37 through 50. But if you, if you take a look at Joseph, he was sold into slavery at 17 by no reason of anything he'd done wrong, right? He was sold into slavery at 17 and he, and he was either in slavery or in prison from the age of 17 to the age of 30. Now along the way, I don't know, I, we're not told this, it's not found in the scriptures, but along the way, don't you know, don't you know that Joseph had to have said, God, what am I doing here? I'm sure that there was some real discontent about life's situation for him. I didn't do anything wrong, it's the brother's fault. God, why don't you, why don't you do this to them? But see, something was happening. God was working in Joseph's life, teaching him something that he needed to learn, and that the only place he could learn it was in this place. He was gonna be elevated to second in command of the most powerful nation of his time with un, just incredible wealth. Most people cannot handle that, right? Most people cannot handle it. Do not hand large sums of money to people who have not learned. You're, <laughs> you're messing their life up, right? This 13 year training gave Joseph an incredible look and he was able to administrate and live with such contentment, even in the midst of everything that he'd gone through. He'd learned it. Well, let's just take a look at Paul. Paul said here, I have learned in any situation to be content. Well, question, all right? Paul was writing this letter to the people at Philippi, Philippians, right? But does anybody remember where he was writing it from? Prison. And so he's saying, I've learned to be content. In other words, content in prison. But if you know, if you've read anything about Paul and the type A personality, the worst thing you can do to him is to cage him. And he had to have thought to himself, God, what are you doing here? I don't understand. You called me to share the gospel with the Gentiles. How can I do that sitting in a, in a jail cell? Right? Discontent. Right? Now, now, now we can understand why, but at the time Paul didn't get it because if Paul hadn't been in prison, he wouldn't have written the book of Philippians. He would have just gone and seen them, right? But you and I read the book of Philippians today because Paul was in prison. So God had a purpose, right? Therefore, being content wherever he has you, it's an interesting thing but it can only be learned, right? You can't go over here and say, I'm gonna be content. That just makes you more discontent, right? Have you ever done that? Okay, be grateful, be grateful. Boy, my goodness. As if, as if you have to work it up inside, right? All right, good deal. All right, so number one, then experience. Number two is accepting the circumstances. Lord, these, these come from you. Lord, you know where I live. You know where I am. Listen to this, he can take you out of any circumstance he wants to, if you're his. He knows you're in this circumstance right now. 
But I have learned personally, I have learned sometimes God does deliver us. So I'm not saying don't pray, Lord, deliver me. But rarely does he deliver you from it. Usually he delivers you through it, right? And yet everybody talks about the being delivered from when that is not the normal MO of how I see God work. It's like being a parent, you know? And I love this whole thought of a parent because this is part of the process. This is God at work, your heavenly father, at work in your life teaching you the things that you need to know, not necessarily that you want, right? Allowing you to go through tough times because you need to learn because this stuff is learned. I think of sometimes parents who, who allow their hearts to overcome their good sense sometimes. And they, they make it a practice of delivering their children out of problems, right? A lot of times that the kids have gotten themselves into and they bail them out. Well, that kid hadn't learned anything. They will do it again. It's hard for a parent at times to let a kid go through the hard times, but that's where they learn. Therefore, the hard times, sometimes the things we go through, if we're learning to be content, it's worth the journey, right? Oh, it's an amazing thing to think about, the parallels of how this thing called contentment goes and how it's learned. Well, there's more to it here in just a minute, but accepting it, God, this is where you have me, right? And if you wanted me somewhere else, you'd move me, right? Let me tell you how many times impatience is one of those issues in my life that God has had to keep teaching me. I have learned, but it was a slow learn. Because, I mean, I had this crazy thought that somehow if God got on my timetable, things would be a whole lot better. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so a lot of times I'll jump the gun and do things and wind up making a huge mess of it. And then it takes twice as long as it would have because I jumped ahead and did something. I've learned when the Bible says to wait on the Lord, wait, wait, you know? And I'm not, that's, that's awful. That word wait is awful. I hate waiting rooms. I hate anything that says wait, all right? It's just, you know, but I'm learning, right? I'm learning. Therefore, accepting the circumstance, submitting to it, that God's got a purpose and a reason I may not see, which then turns into trusting him, guys. This is part of it, trusting him, trusting him, trusting him. Therefore, contentment will come from trusting him, right? They go hand in hand. Number five is practice. Practice, 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 practice. You know, I just happened to play a sport. And those of you that played that sport that has the highest ratio between practice and time to get to play. I mean, baseball's the cool game, right? You don't have near as much practice, especially compared to how many games you play. My goodness. I think you wear out playing all those games, right? But when I play, I mean, listen, you did all this practice. You had all this practice and you played one game a week and it usually lasted 10 or 11 weeks, right? Now in college, I think it's 12, but 10 or 11 weeks, right? And so the ratio of practice, I mean, constant. And so what the coach would do, 
the coach would put you through difficult situations in practice. And he would try to make it as tough as he could because that's, what, that's where you learned, right? That's where you learned. And if you just made it easy, a cakewalk, they're not ever gonna learn, right? So as parents, guys, listen to me. I've said this a lot, but I'm gonna say it again. If it is in your vocabulary that your goal as a parent to make your children happy, then you're not ever gonna teach them. Because some of the hardest things to learn are, are the tough things, right? But boy, they need to be learned. You know, that's why it translates, that's why sometimes people can get, if you will, I, I don't know that I've ever been on this page, but get upset or mad with, with God that he let this happen or this, whatever. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, Okay, I understand that, but that's basically because God's not doing it like think the way you ought, you think you ought to do it, right? So when we get into this discontent area, really we're in like I want, I want, I want what I want, right? Interesting. It's an amazing thing about works. Amazing thing how it works. So practice, 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 practice. He is at work in your life teaching you to trust him, but also this thing called contentment. Because if you ever meet anyone who is content, okay, let's just say content with who they are, their appearance. Oh my gosh. How few people in our culture are content with what they look like? There are some, but this is just one little area, right? And you're content with who you are, what you have. You become a walking billboard for what God can do in somebody's life. Because rarely do people ever experience that, but they long for it, right? They do long for it. Guys, I'm talking to all of us here, and I'm not the expert up here, okay? That's why I wouldn't say, I'm fellow strugglers, right? Fellow strugglers talking about this, because I want you to see this piece or this whatever we long for is something that is learned more than it is, it's, it's, more, it's more taught than caught right? If you want to put it that way. Number three is contentment comes through him, through him. Now you're going to find this. This is the secret Paul's talking about. So hang with me here and you're going to see this, the secret to, of contentment that Paul's talking about because he, Paul mentions it and it's mentioned several other times in the scriptures of what this secret is. Number one is that the secret is not in what you have. Now, I went to kind of, a, I went to kind of an ob ob obscure passage that you probably don't know a whole lot about. It's found in Exodus 33. And I wanted to share this with you because let me give you the context in Exodus. If you know the whole story, if you don't, it's easy to share, is that Israel was in slavery to Egypt. God delivered them through Moses, brought them out of their slavery through the Red Sea. You know, that whole cool thing that happened there. They saw God and then had some problems at Mount Sinai with the golden calf and things, but then they were wandering around. But the problem, here, here's the problem, and I just want you to see it. If you take a look at Israel, one of their greatest issues was that they constantly were griping and mumbling and complaining, constantly. Now, let me tell you something, all right? 
Now, if you are his, look at me, look at me. If you're his, this might be hard to hear, but you need to hear. If you, okay, are his, and you are constantly in your life griping and complaining, I want you to know that he takes it personal. At least he did with Israel. I mean, there was one time the ground opened up, right? There was another time snakes came in the camp. Okay, then they got sick on the quail, right? I can go down the list. Now, now listen to this, this is amazing. I, I found out that those who gripe and complain all the time are those who are the most discontent, right? It's like a, it's like a foghorn going off. You might as well tell the whole world how discontent you are. But what happens is when you get wrapped up in yourself, then you become discontent. It's all about you. It's not about others. It's all about you. That's a hard thing to hear, but it is the truth. And all of us face it, some at varying degrees. But to beat it, but to beat it, I don't know that we ever totally beat it till one day when we beat it completely. But he's talked about, you know, like in the other part of the scriptures, it says, it says, uh, it says godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay, well, how does that happen? All right? Well, let's see what happened in, in the Moses story here. This is classic. Then the Lord said to Moses, chapter 33, verse one. Lord said to Moses, okay, depart, get up. Finally, God's fed up with them. Now, I don't know how that works even. You know, does God get fed up? Well, obviously he did here, all right? And it says, Lord says, he tells Moses, get up, get up, go from here, you and the people who you brought out of Egypt. I think it's classic now that God's calling them Moses' people as opposed to his now, all right? I want you to get up, right? And I want, you to, I want you to take, okay, I want you to take these people, right, your people, into the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I'm gonna give it, okay? So God's saying, I'm gonna come through on the promises here, right? So I want you to go. I'm gonna send an angel with you, right? And, and help you defeat all of the ites. All right? You're gonna defeat all of the ites. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, right? And so all of the ites are gonna be defeated. I'm gonna give, give you the promised land, right? Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going. So I'm gonna give you everything you want. That's what God's telling them. I'm gonna give you everything you want but I'm not going with you. Now listen to me. I dare say that 90% of even believers would take that deal. Because you think definitely I have to be content in the promised land. Listen to me, even the prom- promised land, that is if you get everything you want, it won't be what you're looking for. It'll leave you discontent. See, Moses just happened to be wise enough to make a decision for all of the people and say, God, if you're not going, we're not going either. Right? He says, basically, he says, but I'm not going with you lest I consume you on the way. See how fed up he is? He takes griping and complaining personally. Right? Therefore, for you are a stiff-necked people. You're never happy with anything, right? It's an amazing thing when you take a look at it. And then Moses says in verse 15, if your presence is not going, Lord, we're not gonna go either. 
Moses knew. He understood this. The contentment is found in having a relationship with the one who created you. What does that even look like? Jeff, how do you know that? It says it here just in a minute. Right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse five says this. Keep your life free from the love of money. Hey, what is that? Why does it say that? Not free from money because you need money, but free from the love of it, right? He says, so keep your life free from the love of money. Look at this and be content with what you have, right? Whatever it is you have, God knows what you have, right? He can give you tons more if he longs, if he wants to, Right? But he also goes on to say, be content with what you had, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So guys, see, your contentment's wrapped up in, in a relationship that he's promised to be with you, if you're his. I found that amazing, I found that incredible. There's so much more to it to that. So it's not in what you have. You're not gonna find this in what you have. Number two, you're not gonna find it in what you do. You know, I will disagree with some who say that f do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, yeah, you will. Do, am I making sense? Because I don't care what job it is. It always has its terrible days. And it always has, you know, gosh, I can do something else. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I'm granted, I think there's some wisdom in there. Yeah, yeah, do, you know, do what you like to do, at least for now, Right? But I want you to think on this for a second. There's a great passage here that talks about this. So let's take a look at it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Therefore, a lot of times people think, well, finding contentment is in what you do, right? And it's like, I need to go visit this, it's like a bucket list. I wanna go do this and I wanna go do this and we'll go do this. And so therefore your life is all about these different wants. And then the discontent comes from when you, can't get, when you don't get to do the things, have the things, do the things, and then circumstances. Those are three major areas. The problem with have things is that's what drives the whole money thing. Because the whole money thing gives you, gives you the power to have stuff, whatever stuff it is, right? But this one's different. This one's a little story that most of you have heard, but I want you to hear this. Look at, look at Luke 10, verse 38. This is interesting. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, okay? And the woman, and a woman named Martha, okay, welcomed him, that is Jesus, into her house. Jesus stopped by here on, on occasion, right? It's really cool. He stopped by here on occasion. They were friends, not disciples, right? Not just one of the crowd, they were just friends. For some reason, Jesus liked to spend time there, right? But basically, she had a sister whose name was Mary, so Mary and Martha, right? Who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, right? Now, all right, verse 40, I want you to think about this. But Martha was distracted, right? With much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, and this is classic, you know, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do this all by myself, right? You need to tell her to come help me. You see, Martha thought she was in the right, right? And what happens, listen to this, this is classic. Listen to this. You can get discontent, discontented, you can get discontented serving Christ. Is that not what Martha's doing? I mean, literally. 
And she had no freedom. She had just had discontent. I'm having to do this all by myself. Nobody cares. Nobody notices. I'm telling you, you can be just as griping and complaining serving Christ as you can doing anything else. Because if you're trying to get noticed by everybody else or whatever, you feel slight or whatever, it all becomes about you. And then, and then you're amazed at how discontent you get. Amazing, isn't it? Well, she got discontent fast. Now, granted, you can serve without being discontent. In fact, some of the most, if you're doing it out of contentment and out of your relationship with him, serving can be a wonderful thing. But I'm here to tell you, the gas will run out if you're doing it for any other reason because of your relationship with him, because it, it doesn't have what it takes. All right, so anyway, so she says, tell her to help me. And, then, and this is what Jesus said to her. And this is classic too. Martha, Martha. It's one of those double names like Martha, Martha. You got it? All right, you are anxious about many things and troubled, right? Okay, but one thing is necessary. And Jesus, what is that one thing? He tells you, look at it. Mary has chosen the good portion. I don't really care for that translation, good portion. Um, I think NIV or maybe, maybe the King James says it, the better. Mary's chosen the better, right? Which will not be taken from her. Okay, now guys, that's huge. So from what I understand about this is that Christ would, have, would rather have you know him than serve him. Right? So it's all about a relationship with him, not about doing more stuff. Does that make sense? I hope you're catching this because it's part of the secret of being content. How can you be content in prison? Right? How can you be content when this is happening and that's happening? That's because it's above those things. Because you have a relationship with him, which is number three. You find it in a relationship with him. Last thing I wanna, I wanna share with you. Look at Philippians chapter four. Let's look at verse 11 again. And we're gonna read this down. I want you to see it. Paul says, it's not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, All right? I know how to be brought low, that is to be at the bottom. I know how to, uh, to, to abound, that is to be at the top. In any and in every circumstance, I've learned the secret, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So what is the secret? It's found in verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. So it comes from a relationship with him. Okay, that's incredible to think on. One last illustration and I'm done. You know, God created every one of you and he created you different. We talked about this in Romans. We talked about this last week. He created you different. He created you in his image. He created you to be able to know him and to have the choice in his image to be able to serve, love, whatever, right? Have a relationship with him. And so since you were, you were created to have that need met, nothing else is going to fit it, right? Because it's not the reason you were made. 
That's why discontent follows most people most of their lives. Because they keep turning to the things that they want, thinking somehow if they could get what they wanted, they'd be content. Listen, Moses was wise enough that even having the promised land, if you don't have him, it'll just leave you discontented eventually. Illustration and I'm done. You know, when I was growing up, my grandfather, as I've told you before, I share lots of stories about him, but you know, like I said, overindulgent, let me do everything and like any good grandparent does, right? And so I, he owned a service station, so I was working at the service station. And this was back at the time, you know, where, where you went running out, you know, and you filled, you pumped the gas and you washed the windshields and you checked the oil, right? It's, most of you don't even know what that is anymore, but that's the way it was at the time, right? You go running out. And so uh, there was this new guy working for my grandfather. It was a shell station, Paris, Tennessee. There's this new guy working for him. And so, you know, we all went running out, you know, and I was just a little kid, but I'll never forget this, is that this new guy got flustered. You know, the guy, you know, rolled down, fill her up, you know, this is kind of the way you work. And this guy went around, right? And he didn't realize what he was doing, but he filled it up with diesel. All right? Now, <laughs> I want you to hear this, okay? If you don't even know what that means, that's what you hear, right? About a mile and a half down the road, two miles down the road, okay, that car got real discontent. <laughs> Listen to me. Because the car was not created to run on diesel. It started spitting smoke like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it looked like a it looked like a bomb went off right over the hill, you know, because it starts burning something that it was not meant to burn at a higher, hotter, anyway, there's no use going to the physics of it, but understand it got discontent. Why? Because that's not what it was created for. And guys, that's everybody in our world who tries to fill that place in their life with temporary things that will never have what it takes for you to get to a state of peace that you long for. You long for it, right? Guys, that's why they call it financial peace. It's really financial contentment. It's getting to a place in your life. That's what, and it's, and it's, it's to be learned. That's why we're doing the classes. It's, it's something that's, that's learned, right? And so as I close today, it's a powerful thing as we look at it and see it and how you were created and what you're really looking for is found in a relationship with him that was made possible by who Christ is and what he came to do.